Good morning. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, you can find the scripture I'll be reading on page 865. I'll be reading from 3 John 1 through 8. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. Even as your soul is getting along well, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, what's happening this week that hasn't happened in a long time? So, say it again. Solar eclipse. Say that with him. Solar eclipse. It takes me back to uh, astronomy class at Sanford with Dr. Glotfelty. Uh, that just sounds like a physicist. Dr. Glotfelty, who still teaches at Sanford. And when I think of astronomy, I think of a subject that is taught, and that leads us to actually a Sunday school class. It was a Sunday school teacher who changed the life of Tim Keller, the great pastor up at Redeemer Church in New York City. It was 1970, and it was a simple illustration that his Sunday school teacher shared that made a light go off inside of him. She said this, let's assume the distance between the earth and the sun which is 92 million miles, was reduced to the thickness of a sheet of paper, okay? If that is the case, then the distance between earth and the nearest star would be a stack of papers 70 feet high. Pretty incredible when you compare that. But then the diameter of our our galaxy would be papers stacked 310 miles high. And then she said this, The galaxy is just a speck of dust in the universe, yet Jesus holds the universe together by the word of his power. And then she asked her students, along with little Timmy Keller there, now is this the kind of person you ask into your life to be your assistant? And a light went on inside Timmy Keller. And he realized the true majesty and sovereignty of the holy God, and that led him to understand the holy and sovereign grace of Jesus Christ, and he gained a personal relationship with him. It was a teacher who started that. And this morning, Promotion Sunday, we're reminded of the Christian teachers who have made an important contribution to so many of us, and definitely to God's kingdom. God bless them. In fact, it, I'd like to ask if anyone who has ever taught a Sunday school class, taught in the context of the church, or is a Christ follower he teaches out there in the world, whether in a public school, private school, whatever, if any of those things apply to you, Sunday school teacher, teacher out there, teacher in the church in some way, could you please stand for just a moment? Just stand. If you've ever done that, wow, let's recognize these people. 
Hey, you may be seated. My, the, the reason the applause were not terribly loud, it was most of you who were standing up. Well, bless our teachers. Now, you don't hear a lot of messages from 3 John. It's the uh, briefest passage of all of Scripture, the briefest book, if you want to call it a book. It's only 15 verses long. But John reveals to us ways that we can bless our teachers in ways much more significant than applause. And this applies both to teachers in the church and teachers who are Christ followers out there in the world. Now, you might want to refer to your outline on your handout if you want. We'll have it up on the screen as well. First of all, we bless our Christian teachers when we walk in the truth. John Stott, uh, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, early part of the 21st century before he passed on, great, great evangelical scholar, was a chaplain to uh, Queen Elizabeth. He was the primary author of the Lausanne uh, Statement, which the Lausanne Statement, which uh, was all about world evangelism and missions. An amazing, amazing, prolific author. He was asked toward the end of his life, what is the most important gift we need in the church right now? And this is what he said. The most important gift today, measured by the New Testament principle that we should excel in those that build up the church, is what? Teaching. Nothing builds up the church like what? The truth. And we desperately need more Christian teachers all over the world. And I think he's right. And I think that's one way we bless our teachers is when we walk in the truth. John the Apostle, the author of this epistle, echoes this sentiment. And I want you to note the phrases about how effectively we deal with the truth and handle the truth and walk by the truth. Let's go to 3 John verses 1 through 4 and add on verse 12 there. This is the letter from John the elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. He goes on to say, some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are what? Living according to the truth. And This is John, their teacher, these church members, his students, living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth. Really what that's saying is, really the way he lives out the truth, the way Demetrius lives out the truth, really speaks of the truth itself. He's, he's embodying it. He's exemplifying it. And finally, we ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. Look at that. Speaking the truth, loving the truth, living according to the truth, following the truth, embodying the truth. That's one way that we can bless our teachers who have meant a lot to us. There may be some time when we were maybe the rounders in Sunday school class, and yet later on we wound up really living according to the truth of Christ and taking a stand for it. And that is how we bless that teacher from way back when. You know, we, we really bless them when we walk in the truth and we don't follow others blindly down a path that we don't need to go down. You know, we don't need to go down that way where we just accommodate to it and rationalize, oh, well, isn't everybody doing it? Speaking of following others blindly, my friend, Pastor Bob Russell, recently he and his wife were visiting their son, Rusty, and Rusty had just uh, uh, obtained a foreign car that he was very proud of, but he was very frustrated with it because he couldn't figure out how to, how to transition the uh, speedometer from uh, kilometers to miles. And he was all frustrated with it, but he was very proud to show his new foreign-made car uh, to his parents. And, and he said, hey, tonight, just for fun, why don't we take 
my kids, your grandkids out for ice cream. They said, sure, we'll do that. Well, it came evening, and it was one of these small foreign jobs. And so he said, you know what? We're going to need you two to, to follow us in your car, and we'll go ahead of you and lead you to where the ice cream place is. Okay. So they all get in the car. Well, uh, Bob Russell is not driving for very long, and this policeman on a motorcycle comes whizzing up to him. And, and he's driving right beside him and tells him to roll down his window, you know, the, passenger, the, excuse me, the driver's window. And he says, I'll be back for you. <laughs> he said, you, you go on and pull off. You're going 58 in a 45 zone, but you just pull off and wait right here. i got to get this guy up here. So he goes on, and Bob's like, oh, what's going to happen to my son? Well, finally, he uh, stops Rusty in his car. Pulls him over, and Rusty's very young still. He's very, very nervous, and he's got a quivering voice. So he, <laughs> the, the uh, officer comes up, and he says, Officer, I know this is going to sound like a line, but, but this is the first day I've driven this foreign car. It's a foreign car, don't you see? And, and I couldn't figure out how to convert the kilometers to miles. And, and so I had no idea how fast I was going. And he was so nervous, he didn't know what to say after that. And he said, and the guy behind me, by the way, that's my dad, and he doesn't know what he's doing either. Well, we bless our teachers by showing, that, showing them that we know the way to go, that we're not following the wrong way, that we're not just going in the crowd with the crowd down this way in a way that doesn't glorify God. We bless our teachers by walking in the truth and walking in ways that exalt Him. Secondly, we bless our Christian teachers when we show them hospitality. We showed them hospitality. John was associated with teachers who were so committed to sharing the gospel and teaching the gospel, they would go from church to church and just teach. This is the early church. The church is just getting going. They desperately need teachers early on in the church. And so they would go from place to place, church to church. And they did it for very little compensation, no doubt. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, not in an effusive way, but in a way where they can keep going. For they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. These are traveling teachers. And John urges them to show hospitality to these traveling teachers who are just going about sharing the gospel in the earliest church. In fact, look at verse 8, and I like the NIV translation here. We ought therefore to show what hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. And I think it's so important to, to show hospitality to teachers. When you so, show hospitality to, to a teacher, whether it's a Sunday school teacher, teacher in a public school, private, whatever it might be, when you show them hospitality, you're creating space for them. You're helping create a sense of place for them where they have a sense of place vocationally that, yes, this is where I'm called to teach. This is where I'm called to be. No matter what challenges I face, no matter when the kids get on my nerves or whatever, you know, I know there's a sense of place here. We can share hospitality with them, and you can encourage them with small gifts. Teachers love small gifts, by the way, not just apples. Give them small gifts along the way. They are very grateful for that. But most importantly, show hospitality by praying for them, praying for them regularly. And I had not heard about this until recently. Y'all, anybody heard of hospitality prayers? Hospitality prayers. I found a Christian pu- publication talking about, and it's entitled uh, Hospitality. And it talked about hospitality prayers for teachers and students in there. And I found it so interesting. 
And it's very basic, but I'm going to kind of read through it and, and just kind of quote my way through this very, very brief article because I think it's very important that it shows how we can pray prayers of hospitality for our teachers along with the students whom they teach. So let me just go through this, especially as we begin a new chapter here with, with school and Promotion Sunday and everything else. So first of all, what do we pray for for our teachers? What's a hospitality prayer we can pray for them and for students? Pray for energy and enthusiasm. And they said this, though each year starts off with a packed calendar, exciting opportunities and plans, students and teachers both experience waning energy as the year settles in to a routine and highs and lows occur. Pray that each can find positives in the midst of an average Monday and that enthusiasm keeps learning sharp and exciting. And I would add Sundays to that as well. Secondly, pray for opportunities to lead others to Christ. Whether at a Christian school or public or at a church, teachers and students may be given opportunities to show the love of Christ to someone in need. Pray that God speaks through their words and actions, and that this year may be an opportunity to show someone how much Christ loves them, no matter their background or situation. Third, pray for understanding and peace in times of stress. And the article said this, when the newness of the year settles in, both children and adults may face various stresses in the classroom. Difficult subjects, challenging relationships, and demanding schedules may leave both parties feeling overworked and underappreciated. Take time to pray that both students and teachers feel God's peace in times of uncertainty and understand that in all things God works for good. When the going gets tough, write a note or spend time with them to offer a listening ear. And I think that's so important. Fourthly, pray for a strong moral compass. School grounds or campuses present unique challenges, and sometimes students and teachers are faced with pressure to bend a rule or go against God's teaching. Cheating on a test, gossiping about others, or bullying have the potential to distract a student or teacher from following God's will. But it also presents a special opportunity to set a Christ-like example for others. Pray that those you know in school keep their hearts focused on God and give them the strength to stand up for Him when necessary. Fifthly, pray for financial peace. Every year as August rolls around, students and teachers may face financial stress. Clothes and backpacks, school supplies, classroom tools, and student fees may leave bank accounts and positivity feeling low. As the school year begins, think about ways to bless those in need. Donation bins, gift cards, and school supply drives are great ways to get involved in your community. Take time to pray a hospitality prayer for students and teachers to feel financial peace when resources wane. Next to last, pray for students and teachers to hear God's calling. Each new school year presents a chance to learn something new, both in the classroom and outside of it. Pray for students and teachers to be open to learning and receiving what God has called them to this year. And finally, pray for protection. Though we hope to send our kids and loved ones into the safest learning environments possible, it is impossible for us to protect their bodies, minds, and, and hearts every hour of every day and all the time. Take a moment to pray for students and teachers' protection that they may learn and grow in the safety of God's hands. I think that's good guidance toward some good hospitality prayers that you can voice on an ongoing basis for our Sunday school teachers here, uh, for our public school teachers, private school teachers, college teachers, whoever it might be. And let me just say, and this is very biblical here, 
I'll refer to something in just a moment, but one other way you can show protection to teachers is to let them know you have their back. Very important. I'll just say, and I'm a teacher, sometimes the, the kids can be challenging sometimes, and I know you'll find this hard to believe the parents can be challenging too. And, and, and let them know you're there for them. Let them know. John let that church, let Gaius and the members of that church know that he was there for the teachers there. Stood up for him. Let, let, let's look at uh, verses 9 and 10. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes... Some places have a Diotrephes. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. And that includes the traveling teachers, as you'll see. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Literally in the Greek, that says, I will stand eyeball to eyeball with him and call attention to what he's doing. That's what it's, in the Greek, it's eyeball to eyeball. I'm going to stand up for these teachers. Stand up for him. I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with that. He even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Well, and, and in context here, he's really talking a lot about these traveling teachers. That he, you know, this guy doesn't want other people being the ones to really teach and have any kind of good influence on, on others. He wants to be the one. John's saying, I'm going to handle that. And I'm not saying you need to go confront somebody eyeball to eyeball. I'm just saying, let teachers know that you have their back, that you have their full support. It's a challenging vocation, but it's arguably the greatest of vocations. Didn't the greatest who ever lived. What did they call him more than anything else? Rabbi, which means what? Help me? Teacher. So finally, we bless our Christian teachers when we make them our friend. We make them our friend. Note how John doesn't just see his students only as students. He sees them as friends. Gaius was one of his, his prime students, but he, did he just see it merely as a teacher-student relationship? No, no, no. Look at verses 1, 2, 11, 13, and 15. Look at this ongoing theme, just like that theme of truth that we saw a moment ago. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear, what friend whom I love in the truth? He goes on, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God. Dear friend, follow only what is good. They called him rabbi. Yes, teacher. People saw Jesus as a teacher. There was no greater teacher who ever lived, no doubt. No one has eclipsed his teaching when it comes to uh, the truth about life, the truth about life beyond But in his gospel that John wrote, the gospel of John, the fourth gospel, John was careful to note that Jesus didn't just see his followers as students, just as learners. He saw them as as friends. It wasn't just a teacher-student relationship. It was a friend-to-friend relationship. That wonderful passage in John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you slaves. This is Jesus at the farewell discourse. I no longer call you my servants, my lowly students. Because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. He's made himself vulnerable to these, yeah, friends. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. This is Jesus, the great and mighty teacher of the greatest of truth. But here he is making himself vulnerable to his students and being friends with them. He reaches out to them. That's what we need to do for teachers from that other angle. 
and be not just their supporters, but their friends. There's that wonderful passage, by the way, after Jesus rose from the dead in John 21, where the disciples see him on the shore in his risen state, and, and they're out in the boat, you know, rocking along, and he waves out at him, and what does he say? Friends, did you get any fish? Starts off by saying, friends. We've got to encourage teachers. Let them know we're not just colleagues of them in, the, in this vocation of educating our students, but they're our friends letting them know that they make a difference in what they do. They need our friendship. They definitely need our friendly encouragement. Do you remember the movie Mr. Holland's Opus? How many of y'all have seen Mr. Holland's Opus? What a wonderful movie about that frustrated composer in a small town in Oregon. And, and he takes on a job as a high school band teacher, though he really doesn't want to do it, and he gets really frustrated with it. This is the 1960s, and he just can't stand. He, he was always working on this symphony, and, and, and he wanted so badly to have the symphony played, but he winds up loving his job, this calling as a teacher in high school. And as you know, as the movie goes on, uh, they want, the school board winds up cutting the music program. And you see Mr. Holland just, just fighting passionately for the arts and wanting to preserve that, in, in part because it was his calling. But unfortunately, he gets the pink slip, and he is no longer employed. You remember, he's in there with his family, you know, boxing up things in his office, and they're heading out, and then he hears something on the auditorium. He hear, you remember the song, Louie Louie? That's what he's, they're singing because of how he used that in class. And he walks in there, and it's this wonderful surprise reception by current and former students, alums, who want to thank him. And at one point, uh, a woman who happens to be the governor of the state comes in because he taught her, nurtured her at a point when she was very insecure in high school, uh, this clarinet player, but he taught her to be a better clarinet player and a better person. And she steps up to the microphone in that high school auditorium and talks about him and his symphony and how he might feel like a failure, but he's really not. Let's watch that very brief clip. Mr. Holland had a profound influence on my life, on a lot of lives, I know. And yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his own life misspent. Rumor had it he was always working on this symphony of his, and this was going to make him famous, rich, probably both. But Mr. Holland isn't rich, and he isn't famous, at least not outside of our little town. So it might be easy for him to think himself a failure. And he would be wrong. Because I think he's achieved a success far beyond riches and fame. Look around you. There is not a life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus, and we are the music of your life. It's a wonderful little scene. We are your symphony. We are the melody and the notes of your opus of your life. When was the last time you thanked a teacher for what they meant to you? You can tell that John wants to go and and thank Gaius and others for being good students, and probably they want to thank John. And he wishes he could be with them in person. In fact, look at these final verses, verses 13 and 14. 
He says, I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink, for I hope to see you soon, and then we will talk face to face. Well, chances are right now, because you're in the confines of a room like this, in the context of a worship setting, you you can't go face to face right now to someone who really impacted your life as a teacher. And so we're going to go with John's option B of pen and ink. If you could look at the end of the pew there and pass down, we've got thank you cards there with envelopes. Pass those down if you would. If we need extra, let us know. We'll find some for you. You got them? Who needs them? You don't have any? Okay, we need some up here. Wow. If you have extra, let us know. Do you guys have them in the first? Okay, two, first two rows. We don't. Okay. Let's see how we're doing. Good old John, Mr. Usher. Second row up here. Pass those down. Grab a pen. Borrow a pen if you need to. Who comes to the surface of your mind and your soul right now when you think of someone who taught you and had a significant impact on your life? It could be a Sunday school teacher. It could be somebody who taught you here or is teaching you here. Or it could have been a first grade teacher decades ago. Could have been a public school teacher, could have been a teacher in some other context, but who comes to mind who was a significant mentor, instructor, and yes, friend to you, who taught you how to follow the truth more effectively? I'm going to ask Keith to just play a little music, and you're going to take a few minutes and just write a note to that person. If that person has already passed on, Chances are that they, you know where they are because they you know, inculcated in you a strong sense of faith in Jesus. So, you know, it can be a means by which you celebrate that person's life and write this thank you to them. And heck, you hang on to it or take it to a special place that's significant because of that person. Whoever that person is, take a moment and just write a brief word of thanks to them, if you would. And we'll just take a few minutes to do that. you continue to write, I'm going to read some passages of Scripture that, in a way, celebrate teaching. Teach them God's decrees and give them His instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. The Lord says, I will guide you along and teach you the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over your soul. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them, then your royal line will continue 
forever and ever. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And Jesus said, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Some of you might still be writing. If you're not, let's bow our heads and pray. If you still need to write, please feel free to go ahead and do that. Lord, we thank you for those who have impacted us in that powerful way where the, how the words they spoke to us, how the words that they continue to speak to us, words that we recall from them. And not just that, but the words that they embodied in their own lives, that they exemplified, how they made an impact upon us. Bless our teachers, O oh God. Thank you for all that they have come to mean to us. We give thanks for the teacher that we have just written to, thanking them for how they help shape who we are. Not just who we are in life, but who we are in Christ. May we continue to bless them, pray for them each and every day. Could you just offer a silent prayer for all the teachers who are beginning a new year, wherever it might be, whether here or elsewhere? Just offer a silent prayer of support and gratitude for them. Lord, we give you these prayers in the name of the beloved rabbi who not only taught us how to live and die, but died himself for our sake. We pray these things in his name. Amen.